So it's another busy day at the film festival, so that means another edition of the Echo Chamber podcast. Um, today we're going to have um, thoughts on wildlife, Mandy, Green Book and Beautiful Boy. Um Excuse the audio for Ma- for Mandy and Wildlife. Those were recorded a while back because they were press screened um, the other week. Uh, and I think I might have top and tailed them um, because, yeah, I think at the time I was thinking I'd just put out a podcast per film. And then I realised, you know what, that's not going to work. But, um, yeah, so... You know, excuse that audio, but yeah, don't turn it off when those, when, you know, when each of those is finished, there will be more. Um, so yeah, enjoy, people. What's going down, people? And welcome to another special edition of Echo Chamber. Yo, the funniest thing is, although you know, today's the 13th. This film was actually the first film I saw to kick off the London Film Festival. Um, but yeah, it's just been embargoed until today. So yeah, now you get the podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> so, and the film I am talking about is Wildlife, which stars Jake Gyllenhaal. Carrie Mulligan and Ed Oxenblood. I think I pronounced those names correctly. Um, okay, it's coming out through Kaleidoscope Kaleidoscope Entertainment. It is Paul Danu's directorial debut, um, produced by Alex Sakas, Paul Danu. Oren Moverman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Reva Marker, and Anne Rook. And the screenplay is from Paul Danu and Zoe Kazoon. So um, I, I think, you know, just those names alone kind of give you an understanding of, of the film. You know, because you've seen their films before, so you get, kind of get the feel. Um, the description is when teenager Joe and his parents move to suburban Montana, a fresh start seems on the cards, but with cracks soon show, but sorry, but cracks soon show with volatile father Jerry. Jake Gyllenhaal's character needing to search further afield for work this leaves Joe and his relentlessly chirpy mother Jeanette, Carrie Mulligan alone with Jeanette clinging onto the facade of happiness by her fingernails um yeah that that's kind of the um the gist of the film as it were and this was i think this was a well produced film this was it was nice it was um i guess you you definitely would probably say it was atmospheric you cut with the the filters used and everything like that. You did kind of get the feel for the time frame of this film, and it and it, it's based um, in the nineteen fifties. So yeah, it, it, it's meant to be a melodrama, um, and it is based on Richard Ford's novel. So. Um, yeah, you you kind of definitely get that feel from the film when you watch it, uh, and I think it's um, 
all the cat all the you know all the characters are portrayed extremely well you know you get a real sense of their personality i think especially when you know when like with the little bio that i just kind of went through you um yeah you kind of think okay carrie mulligan's character is extremely chirpy you know she's very at the beginning of the film she's extremely positive you know trying to trying to sell you something that you do wonder like is this for real you know what, what what's coming up but she's very positive you know um like uh, uh Jerry Jake Gyllenhaal's character he loses his job and you know she's not like oh you're a fool why did you do this she's just like yo you did the right thing you know like it's their loss you're going to find something even better so don't worry i got you you know has his back is just like you know in offering to help out and get a job herself because you know they decided that she would be staying at home looking after their their kid joe um so you know yeah that's bit that's correct where things i guess probably fall down slightly is some of the, the like like with the description, it says um, that Jack, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is, um, you know, uh, extremely volatile. Like, I think he raises his voice once at the beginning. So I, I, I and then there's a bit at the end which. You can definitely see why that happened. So I I think to call someone volatile on the end is probably a bit unfair because there was, I would say there's mitigating circumstances. But, you know, I, I it kind of felt like, not that his character was volatile, it's just that his character was... um probably more delu- a little deluded you know didn't want to see maybe f- like the flaws that they have or let, you know once they've done something they're not going their pride won't let them take a step backwards or or have have a second look at things, you know what I mean? So, I would say that about his character more than volatile. Which which is, um, you know. And I think one of the things uh, Carrie says in the film her character Jeanette says your father has um beautiful intentions and I think that was a really great way to kind of sum things up so you know what I mean look because you see that all the time where people have you know this vision these plans the intentions are just always honorable they're great intentions but they can never really you know take it any further things always fall apart they're just not great at following through whatever it is they the intentions are never realized but those are beautiful intentions you know, and I and that really did kind of set things up for when for for the film to go forward. So, yeah, that that whole beginning bit was was interesting, but I I think a, a problem for well a problem for me was just 
the motivations then for some of the things that then happened. You know, it, it was just like we didn't see certain things for, from Jerry before he made a big decision. You know, there wasn't much else. It was just A and then K. You know, we didn't see any the, any of the moves in between that went from that to that point. So that was a bit like, oh, okay, all right, fine. So you're going to do that. Um, and although, yeah, it, look, it was a bit of a of a jump. It still wasn't. Um, it still wasn't the be or end all. You know, what I mean, you. I think the film still was okay at that point it, it, but then Jeanette her like Carrie Mulligan's character she then um, certain things happen around her that really take you by surprise because you don't see anything that would lead to that point so it was a bit like, oh, okay, so that's what you're... Wait, what's going on? Wait, why are you... Huh. Okay. <coughs> Apologies. But then, um, yeah, so that was... That was a little odd. That, and so... You're, you're, these These... Points have taken place that then kind of have you wondering, you know what I mean? Like, but why has this happened? What's going on here? So now you're kind of you're losing track of the story itself because everything seems a little awash. You know, these things have happened, but you're you kind of are wondering why it's got to that place. And so then it's got there, but then it's kind of done straight away. You you know, what I mean? it, it, like the time frames are a bit odd because like all these things happen and then it's just like, oh, and then this happens. Oh, and now everyone's back to get, wait, okay. And so, yeah, it's just, it was a, it kind of lost itself midway through the 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 film like that was the main i think the big thing that kind of stopped this film from being better than it was you know it it was fine but it could have been really good that that was my takeaway really yeah, yeah, and there's a few other little bits in the film, you know, um, like uh, um, one of Joe's school friends. She she makes a point of going, "Oh, my dad is doing this." So then, once you realise that Joe's dad is now doing the same thing, you think, "Okay, so is that?" Was that a lead into something earlier with that statement? But, but, but no, didn't go anywhere. Didn't go anywhere at all. This relationship with this with this person didn't really go anywhere. It, it didn't see. There didn't seem to be a point for it. If you took it away, you still have the same film. And I think that's sometimes an issue where, like, there, there, there is filler stuff in films. And if you don't have it, does it deter from the film itself? Does it impact the story itself? And a lot of the times the answer is no. And that was one of the things with this. I mean, what, like, look, when, as I said, when you've watched... 
a lot of films by um you know that Zoe Kazan has written in the past they are similar to this sometimes not a great deal happens but it's the interaction with the characters that really draws you in and that was slightly lacking with this film you know you're you're left on this note at the very end of hopeful possibilities maybe but that's it you know we still yeah it was just the lack of the really deep personal interaction but um but yeah this this film wildlife it's still playing two other times so you can catch it on the 14th of October at the Odeon Tottenham Court Road at 12.45 or Monday the 15th of October at 3.30 at the BFI South Bank Alright, so if you see it, I hope you enjoy it. Maybe leave a comment, let us know how you how you feel about it, okay? Alright, well I will see you again shortly for the next edition of The Echo Chamber. Okay, well I've just caught a screening of a new film from Panos... Cosmatos called Mandy. Uh, now Panos, he's pretty new to the game. Um, he this is his second directorial effort, and the second thing he's written. Uh, the first being something called Beyond the Black Rainbow. Now I haven't caught this, so this is um, you know uh, my introduction to his work but um yeah it was interesting now the film also stars Nicolas Cage um along with Andrea Riesbera Linus Roach um Ned Denahi Alwyn Fleur Richard Brake, Bill Duke, and Line Pilet. Um, yeah, I mean the um, this you know the breakdown is taking place in 1983. Red is a lumberjack who lives in a secluded cabin in the woods. His artist girlfriend Mandy spends her days reading fantasy paperbacks. Then one day she catches the eye of a crazed cult leader who conjures a group of mighty motorcycle riding demons to kidnap her. Red armed with a crossbow and custom axe stops at nothing to get her back, leaving a bloody brutal pile of bodies in his wake. So, yeah, it's like, you know, you kind of read that and you're like, ooh, how is this going to be? Um, yeah, you know, it's from Spectre Vision. Um, Umedia and Legion M. It's basically two hours. Um, and it's classified as an action horror thriller. So, yeah, I mean, I think as soon as I saw the poster, I was like, oh, yeah. Now, I think I want to see this film. It, 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 because the, the funny thing is, like, Nick Cage, still, you see the name Nick Cage, and you think, ooh, how is this going to be? Is this going to be, like, the crazy, crazy Nick Cage? Like, what, you know, what, what level of Cage is getting brought to the table on this one? Um, which is a funny thing, because... I think it's fair to say 
that, I don't know, Cage hasn't had a really great performance for a while. You know, for a pretty, when you look at his filmography, like the last really good thing I can think of is Kick-Ass in 2010, you know, 20 goddamn 10, man, like, yeah, it's tricky, because I haven't seen a lot of the later things, well, I, you know, I, I did, I did try Season of a Witch, and, oh god, (laughs) oh god, that was so bad, um, yeah, I, I also, yeah, took a look at Ghost Rider, big, 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 big mistake, especially after seeing the first one, um, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about him in the new Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which will be coming out in December, I believe. Um, I, I, you know, I think word on the street that I caught was that he was pretty decent in the Teen Titans Go movie. Um, and. I yeah again there was a little you know a little bit of buzz that I heard about his performance in Mum and Dad last year, but I didn't get to see that. So, you know, the, the, for me, like as I said, look, seeing the poster, reading the synopsis, I was kind of like, oh, now what is is this gonna be, Wicker Man? Nick Cage, or maybe Bad Lieutenant Nick Cage, like, what level of crazy are we gonna see, you know, are we gonna see Cage really putting on a performance, or will it be the phone-in Cage, you know, so it's a bit like, what kind of film is this gonna be, and... Yeah, I have to say this was an interesting film It's kind of crazy because I have to say It's a dark film And I don't just mean in the content I mean like the filters that are used And everything like that You know, I I think it's kind of like they You're kind of getting autumnal Kind of full Type filters That's the kind of colouring We're seeing on the screen And there's a lot of red Yeah there's a lot of kind of Red bleeds and Things like that but yeah it's Very dark like you know Like things at night time In dark rooms And stuff like that so You know As you get into this Film you're straight Away given this kind of Feel this kind of kind of intrusive kind of oppressive feel to the film. I I kind of feel from the giddy up. You know, you you kind of get that, and it's it's kind of interesting in the manner that um, Panos takes to telling the story. As, you know, I, I would say it's linear, but there are a lot of flash kind of sequences that kind of, you know, the film might spin off in a, I think, a meandering consciousness thread, you know, you're, you're given this kind of sequence of, like, hmm... I wonder what I could be doing, or like, oh, this is what I think about sometimes, and so you're kind of given this kind of, like, little tangent, so there's a few of those at the beginning, and, you know, there's, I, I wouldn't say there's, a, like, abundance of dialogue in the film either, there's not an abundance of dialogue, and some of the dialogue is, like, the mumble 
So you do get a little bit of a mumble cage. I go, oh, yeah, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll think this way. Or, uh, uh, why are you looking at me like that? I don't understand. Huh? Huh? So you do kind of get kind of that. And it works. It does work with the kind of feel of this film. I will point out there are some there are a lot of flashes in the film. So maybe if you do have an epilepsy, if you do have an epilepsy, if you uh, yeah, if it you know, if you have epilepsy or anything that is triggered by flashes, maybe be a little careful with this because I wouldn't say they are like a co- it's not a constant flash all the way through and it's not that really quick flicker but there are moments where it's like it flashes from scene to scene or there's just like this light flash kind of thing so yeah maybe be aware of that going in um but yeah, it, it you know, there's not a lot of dialogue, but what dialogue it, it, it's very moody. It's very moody and it kind of helps tell this story. Because we aren't given a lot of story. It's not like there's this, you know, really in 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 kind of indulgent back story into, you know, um um, Red and Mandy's history, you know, like, oh, this is how they met, and this is how much they're in love, and bum, 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 bum. you know what I mean, we're, we're not really given that, we're not really given, like, oh, and the cult appeared here, and they've been doing all this kind of stuff, and, you know, like, or news reports, like, hey, word on the street, there's this cold in town, and ba 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 or, so there's nothing like that, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not this really um, incredible, it's not an incredible story, you know, that, I think that's the thing, it's not an incredible story, but it, as I said, look, it works within the frameworks of what we have here, and what we do have is this creepy, this kind of creepy, um, it's, I would say it's probably a bit light, you could kind of, um, but you know, put it like a, uh, Oh, not a myth. Um, what do you call those things? Like myths, and you tell people folk, a kind of a folklore kind of thing. You know, something like that. That's what. Yeah, I think this is what you know. One of those kind of a, a creepy tale that people might tell around a campfire. You know what I mean? It, 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 it kind of comes off like something like that. Because, yeah, yeah, you get this weird kind of feel, like this kind of oppressive feel of the film, the way it's being shot. You kind of of get these narrow kind of scenes and it's very intense. When you have the action, it's very intense, visceral action. And as I said, because it's dark, it's not always very clear So You know what I mean it, it, you're, you're kind of getting flashes of This fight that's happening So it seems really weird And like Shit, who's winning? What's happening? What's going down here? Because you're, yeah, you're not kind of Given the full breadth of everything That's going on Which kind of really adds to that uh, closed in nature and the creepiness of the story, which which is great, you know, it really does work. And, and and the weird thing is, like, there's moments of just weird funniness in the film. Like, you know, I, I have to say, look, when there's the um, cheddar goblin. Yo, everyone in the screening room was laughing their asses off. 
Yo, it was just like, what the hell is going on here? And yeah, do you have like little moments like that where I don't think it was intentionally meant to be like a laugh out loud moment, but it's just like, what the hell is happening here? And yeah, I mean, one of the one there's this scene with Mandy, um, and yeah, it, it like she's laughing, which just makes this whole kind of scene just crazy, and then you everyone's just like, what? What's going on, man? And so yeah, you're, it's just amusing as hell. And, yeah, I think it's fair to say Cage is crazy in this friggin' film. You do get the crazy Cage. Like movements. And he's just like, you know, the bees, the bees. He he just needed a woman to kick. You know what I mean? That's all that was missing in this. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if it's Cage at his craziness, cra- bleh, at his craziest, but yeah, we do get crazy ass Cage up in this piece, you know what I mean? And one of the weirdest kind of things in this film, there's a lot of odd facial expressions. Like, the camera will just go to someone and they've got this weird look on their face, like, I don't know, I don't know, it's it's kind of, they're not scary looks, like, I don't know what you could call them, like, hey, is, like, would you say it's a cum face, I don't know, but you get these weird expressions, and like, on everyone, like, everyone has their moment of, you know, a weird expression, I don't know if it was just like, in the script, or if Panos would be like, suddenly pan to someone and be like, crazy face, and they'd be like, you know, like, I I don't know, it's just crazy, it was weird, but, yeah, this is a bloody, violent, crazy mess, but a, a bloody, violent, crazy mess that does work, you know, as I said, look, it's kind of short on story, but you don't really need it. You don't miss it. You're just enjoying enjoying this kind of, I don't know, like this weird folk story of just odd redemption and vengeance. That's what this is. So I think, look, if you want some weird horror type movie that you don't really need to think about, you know what I mean? There's not a crazy, intricate story that goes with it. If you're in the mood for some crazy cage, you know, if if you just want some, yeah, just some weird... Yeah, weird kind of horror Then I think this is for you Yeah I think It's hard to try and think of something Similar to this I mean, I guess You know, you could maybe say um, Kind of, it's bad lieutenant Bad, bad lieutenant-ish Because it's just weird and the story, sometimes, yeah, it's a bit, like, non-existent. But I think this works better than Bad Lieutenant. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, yeah, if if this is your type of thing, you know, I, I think go, go give it, go give it a check. Maybe, you know, like what better than grabbing some Nicolas Cage? So, people, the next opportunity you have of seeing this will be um, Friday, the 12th of October, 
10 past 6 at the Rich Mix Cinema. Um, then you will see it on Wednesday, the 17th of October. Again at 10 past 6, but this time at the Prince Charles Cinema just off Leicester Square. You know, I'm 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 I'd say as well keep an eye out because it's bound to be added to you know of other other cinemas. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure this will be on a Halloween lineup somewhere as well. But yeah, if you want to get some weird um Nicolas Cage then um yeah i i think mandy is is the film for you and i you know what i i do have to say i i have to give a a big shout out to linus roach as well because he is weird as hell and yeah really does pull off Pull off that role. Really do- Oh, and also, also, let me say, the soundtrack. The soundtrack is very interesting. You know, it's um, performed by King Crimson. And it starts off kind of mellow. Starts off kind of mellow. And then it just goes Full-on, kind of intense. Full-on intense. So, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. It's like, definitely, I would say, check it out. Um, And that's Mandy. Cool. Today I rolled the dice and I went to see the special film, um, well, the secret film at the London Film Festival. And um, it turned out to be the, um, the, new, uh, the new film from Peter Farley, which is Green Book. Uh, this stars um, Linda Cardinelli, Vigo Mortensen. And Michelle Ali. Uh, it's written by Nick Valaget, uh, Nick Valenglonga, Brian Hayes, and Brian Hayes Curry. Um, so it is a hundred and thirty minutes, and it's from DreamWorks Participant Media and Amblin. It is the um, it's the story of a working class Italian American bouncer who becomes the driver of an African American classical pianist on a tour of venues through the nineteen sixties American South. Um, now. When you when you watch the film, it really sets up uh, Viggo Mortensen's character of Tony Lip, um, and you know it, it it shows him as a no nonsense, tough guy. You know he's um, you know he deals with issues, you know, with his fists, and then asks questions later and there's also a scene in he in the home um that he shares with Linda Cardinelli who plays his wife Dolores uh she has men over to fix something and these gentlemen happen to be black she offers them a drink and when they leave they leave their glasses on the side Tony sees the glasses and is repulsed by them, so he throws the glasses in the bin. So this is the setup for the film. 
so it, it shows Tony as having um, some prejudice against black people. Then when he uh, loses his bouncer job because the club he's working at is shutting down for a couple of months, uh, a friend of his calls him up and says that there's a driver's job going for a doctor. He goes to um, meet uh, Dr. Shirley and is taken aback when he realises that he is black. But he, um, you know, he doesn't have any other options, really. At first, he's going to turn down a job. But then when um, Don points this out, you know, the lack of his options out to him, he um, finally agrees to take the job. And so then you just see them traveling around, and at the beginning he he you know his prejudices are there yeah he he's answering back, he doesn't really want to take any orders and do certain things, and yeah, he's a bit belligerent, but slowly through the film, this changes um but I think what um yeah what 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 they seem to be trying to do with with this film you know um like the writers and Peter Farley is uh kind of point out the cultural and racial differences that are kind of underpin America in that time so you get a lot of this there's a lot of kind of you know they go to a place and um you know everyone in the room is white the only black people are the slave the servants you know the servers that kind of stuff um you know all these kind of things are pointed out there's a there's a scene where they stop and don gets out of the car and there's a field and it's got a, a load of black slaves in it picking cotton. And when the slaves see him, you know, in his fine suit being driven by a white man, they all stop and they're all looking at him. And it's, you know, it's it's a, you know, the scene is put there for a point for a reason to you know for you to go oh look the, you know this is happening this is you know this is crazy and there's a lot of this i would say that the film is rather ham-fisted with the way it it kind of forces these things at you like um you know don is playing playing at a uh a country home and he goes to use the restroom and um he gets stopped and told that oh no 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 uh he's made a mistake the restaurant he's looking for is in the garden and it's this rickety iron shed and he's like well would you use that and the guy's like no and he's just like well he won't use it either and he kind of says look you can either let me use your bathroom or I will go home to my hotel, use that and come back so there will be a delay. And then the guy says to him, I think we can handle the delay. So you get these kind of moments like he goes for a drink and gets beaten up. And this is kind of when um, Vigo's character, uh, Tony, seems to change his opinions because he goes to get Don from the bar and um you know he he's like when when they he so he says he's got a gun and gets him out and he says to Don what are you doing you know you you should know what this area is like like why did you go there and he's just like this area is no different to where we live, if I went to a bar in your neighbourhood, 
you know, how would your friends treat me? And that makes Tony stop and think. And so, you know, it's filled with these moments, but they're so, it's, it's rather heavy handed the way they're dealt with. You know, there's no subtleness to this film when it comes to the racial points. And so it just makes, you know, it. I just felt that the film was trying to be worthy. You know, it, it it was trying to go, look, we're making a point, we're making a stand, we're doing all of this, so please can we win some awards? That's what it kind of felt like. You know, it, as I said, look, you have all these moments, there was even one moment where you have um, Robert Kennedy, like, um, you know, J- uh, John Kennedy brought into the conversation and it was a bit like would you know uh, i i'm not really buying that he would have been called in this situation that people would have had his number to make that call and it was just kind of it seemed to be put there so you can go look there was this white guy that was fighting for black people's rights and trying to make america a different place you know so yeah you've got these bad black white people but you've got these good white people too and and it it was just really forced and yeah just ham-fisted and you know like because you could say like the story is fine there's nothing really new to it we've seen these films before you know like things like the help and the butler like we've seen these films and they've all been handled in this kind of ham-fisted heavy way uh but you know there's moments in the film that are nice and everything don's helping tony write letters to dolores um you know uh, there's things like that but then you've got you know moments of like um oh what don you don't eat kentucky fried chicken but that's what your people eat and it's just like stuff like this and it's just a bit uh, you know, it, it did, I'm not going to lie, it did leave a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Um, it was funny because I, I was sitting next to these women and when they when the film finished, I, I overheard them talking about it and they were saying, oh, you know, like some of the points were a bit heavily made, but, you know, oh, it was good though and I don't really mind because... I I think it made they made good points in what they were you know trying to say so you know it it its heart was in its right place and it's a bit like well yeah you're going to have a different reaction to this film because you haven't faced these issues and and this is the thing Look, they might have been trying to send a message. They might have, you know, all good intentions and everything like that. You know, I'm I'm sure they did have good intentions with the film. But the problem is, look, when you've gone through life with being called, you know, the n-word like literally every single day and several times a day you know for probably 22 years straight you know you have grown men come up to you when you're like four and screaming that you should go back to your own country it's like you know, like teachers at school, like use racial like terms on you, and then say you can't say anything because you're going to get expelled if you do. You know what I mean? Like, look, when you have had that, watching a film like this, it's a bit like 
you you should have done better you yeah you really you should have done better because it's not as simple as you're trying to make it out it's not as easy as you're trying to make it out so you know let's not try and perpetuate a lie perpetuate god damn it man ah every time i do this i just keep my words get tongue-tied but yeah it's like look it's not black and white there's a lot of gray areas when it comes to things like this and it does worry me sometimes when you have these films because they try and lay it out like it's a simple there's there's these simple solutions and um yeah if only if you only do things in a certain way everything will be fine and no one will hassle you and blah 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 it's just like no that's not how it is and if you keep on trying to show it like that people will think there aren't issues. I remember when Obama was elected and loads of people around me were like, oh, this just shows that racism is dead. And it's just like, no, it, it, it doesn't show that at all. You know, it's a step in the right direction. But, you know, it's not the be all end all. It's not curing everything. So, I, you know, I... It would really be good if when films like this are made that they really do try and handle things in a more realistic way. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. You know, a lot of people, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the film. Yeah, there was a lot of, you know, people were laughing. People, uh, you know, like, Ring and umming and you know making all the noise, you know all the noises that the 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 people behind this film wanted them to make, you know. So that was that was being done, done, you know, throughout. But yeah, for me, it you know it as I said, look. On, on one hand, you can say yes. It you know there was these nice moments, and it was an okayish film. But on the other hand, when you look at the film, you know it really did. You know it tried to bludgeon you with these issues. It wasn't. There was no nuance. It wasn't subtle. It forced you, scenes on you. You know, and that isn't for me. That's not the way to go about it. But if you enjoyed films like The Help, The Butler, then I think, yeah, you 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 know, you'll enjoy this film. So that is um, that's Green Book, uh, and as it is the secrets film. Um, yeah, I don't believe there's any other, any other screenings, but, you know, it will, uh, I imagine be on general release shortly. Cool. I've just come out of a screening of Beautiful Boy, um, this is the new film starring Steve Carell, Timothy Chalamet. Maura Tyranny and Amy Ryan. It's from producer Felix Van Gurgen, produced by Brad Pitt, Dee Dee Gardner, and Jeremy Keener. And it's written by Luke Davis and Felix Van Gurder. It's 112 minutes, so just under two hours, and it's from Studio Canal and Amazon Studios. The synopsis of this film is David Sheff, who's played by Carell, has a life many would envy. A beautiful teenage son, Nick, who's played by Shamot, to whom he is close. Two younger children from his happy second marriage to artist Karen uh, Moratini, a loving stepmother to his first son, a house near the north 
California coast and notable success as a journalist with major publications like New York Times, Rolling Stone, Life is Good, an open communicative father. He isn't too alarmed when Nick casually experiments with marijuana. Then, without warning, Nick's interest in drugs transforms, becoming more urgent, desperate even. The boy who loved books, music, surfing, and his family is withdrawn, agitated, mercurial, and dishonest. By the time David realises what's happening, Nick is hooked on crystal meth. Screenwriters Luke Davis and Felix Van Ruger adapt two memoirs, Tweak by Nick and David's Beautiful Boy, into a powerful and moving account of a father and son's struggle with addiction and his tr- its tragic consequences. Making his English language debut, Felix Van Gruger directs with soulful restraint, allowing Ruben Impen's camera to capture with startling intimacy Carol and Chestnut's visceral performances, which blaze at the heart of this intelligent, tough, and inspiring film. You know what? I think there's certain things that scream to be seen it's like going to a gallery and looking at art you know like there's certain pieces that you have to look at and look at numerous times because there's so much within it and and this is the film equivalent of that the like there's been so much talk about this film and trust me that talk is thoroughly warranted it's just a tremendous piece of work on all accounts. All the performances are phenomenal. Everyone just, you know, they stake their claim, basically. Everyone puts their flag in the sand. It's just, there's just so much here. Um, like the camera work is fantastic like just the visuals that you're seeing the cinematography and the music the score of this film is it just really helps with the scenes like there's one scene where um, uh, Steve um, Carell he's looking through um he, you know, his son Nick's uh, one of his notebooks, and as he's flicking the, through the pages, the music, like it just builds and builds. So he's, just, he's like flicking the pages, and it's like, and it's like you have this just emotional connection to the scene because it's driving you you understand that what um you know what he's seeing on the pages it's it's affecting him and it's showing him the downward spiral of his son you know he, he he's seeing that on the page and you know, the, 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 it becomes I think, like the text and and what he's reading, like the clarity is just disappearing, like page after page after page, and it's hitting him, and the music is like just working with this scene, building it and building it and building it. It's, yeah, it's superb. It's a superb work, and there's so many scenes throughout the film that are like this you know the the mute the right music has been selected all the way through whether it's instrumental or vocal everything works and yeah it's a, it's a testament to this production like the film starts basically with a call to action um david is talking with a doctor and he's just like, look, I need 
I need help. I need to understand. Um, and that's the perfect way to kind of introduce you to this story. Because you're like, right, okay. And then you, it, you know, it, it goes back a year before. And you kind of see some of the build up to this point. And then we get other flashbacks to other moments when Nick was even younger. And you'll see, and you see this vibrant, you know, just happy go lucky child transform to this, I think, like reclusive of. Spirit, like thing, husk of the former self, and you also see the manipulation, the lies, the uh, the fear, the anger within him as well, and it's all and it all plays out. And Timothy Chalamet, his performance here, it's. It's just magnificent. Like, the way he displays all the emotions, just like in actions, in, like, the turn of the head, the drop of the shoulders. He, he, you know, he can encompass so much just in those little things like that. It's, It's just... And so just imagine you have that, and then you have Carell... And Steve Carell, it's so funny, like, you see him in things like Anchorman. And then you watch him in films like this. um, And it's the way he has evolved as an actor. Like, it's, you don't... You don't get some of these performances out of just straight actors, you know? Like, people might... I think Carell is looked at as a comedic actor, but when he plays it straight, you could say he's up there with some of the best. It's like, he's able to project this quiet... Like concern, this, like anger that can flash up in a moment, and then he, he squashes it. You know, he, he's able to do this, show this unabashed love. Like his his performance here, it. I think. On its own, it would be great, but coupled with Timothy's, it's it's just man. They just elevated this film, and then add in like um, <clears throat> uh, yeah. If you think of this, and then you have more a tyranny. It's like everyone is so sharp, and this this film, man. If I, you know, I said it with Widows, and I will say it with this: if if Beautiful Boy is not nominated for all the awards, and if it doesn't walk away with some, I will be very shocked because the script, the acting, the cinematography, the score—like on every level, this film works on every level. Um, but it's difficult, though. Like you have all of this stuff, but it's very difficult. Like that, like the last third of this film is so like cloaked in pain, cloaked in pain, and you're watching the fragmentation of Nick. You're you're seeing the impact that's having on, you know, on uh, David, on Karen, on their little kids, on um, 
David, you know, ex-wife, all of these people, you've seen the impact Nick's actions are having on all of them, and it's just, you know, it, it, it hurts to watch, but you're just captivated by it, it's, yeah, it, it's something, and, um, you know, it, it's one of these things, I think I said in um, my review of Been So Long, that one of the problems was that the conversation seemed fake, you know what I mean, like with his, every conversation, it was so raw, so like the emotions, everything, they, it was just powerful, there's so much power here, on display, and, uh, yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of this film, it, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm saying, look, before this festival is up, you really need to see it, you really do need to see it, and, um, so I tell you, uh, it will be screening on Sunday the 14th at 11am at Embankment Gardens Cinema, then Tuesday the 16th at 6pm at Cine Lumiere, which, um, yeah, I believe is in South Kensington, but trust me, if you can't see this film at these official screenings, it will be it all over. This will be getting a big release. It can't not. And e- even if it doesn't, you need to track it down and you need to watch this film. Listen, it's only 112 minutes. You can fit that in. Like, take a long lunch break, you know what I mean? Just, like, you need to see this film. Okay? So... That is, and do you know what the, the it's incredible that this is Felix Van Guren's first English language film. You know, it's his first English language film, and he's produced this. God damn it! There's people with English as their first language, and they, they they could not do this work. So, look. As I said, every person in this film delivers a tremendous performance. A you have to even give it up to the little kids. The the, the two little kids are fantastic. They play their part so well, you know. So, yeah, go see a beautiful boy. You've heard it here, and um, if you don't, yeah. We we all no longer be speaking. All right. <laughs> Enjoy, people. And so that's it for another episode. We will be back tomorrow. Um, and I believe there's going to be a review of Front Runner and Aquilarla. Yeah however I should pronounce it, but I'll work that out tomorrow. Okay, people, all right, enjoy your festival and Sunday.